All right, Romans chapter 12. Very familiar passage of scripture. Well, look at that maybe in a little different light tonight. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I just realized I left some of my notes at home. So you can pray for a short sermon. Anyway, all right. What we've been looking at, what we've been looking at is standards for Christian workers, for church workers at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And tonight, the uh, one I was going to look at was um, media, TV, uh, movies, uh, internet transmissions, and all those sort of things. And uh, I, I titled this tonight, Transform Your Life by Your Thoughts. So let's, let's pray and then we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to meet together here tonight. Thank you, Father, for your word uh, that instructs us in area, every area of life, how to con- conduct and please you as we live in this corrupt and wicked world. So pray that you'd help us tonight. Help us to some, glean some truths that would help us in our walk with you and help us to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, really, all this has to do with your thought life. What does Proverbs say? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Why is our world so wicked? Because our minds are being filled with wickedness. Why is our country, our young people, and not, it's not just our young, you know, they've been anymore because they've been teaching this stuff for 50 years in our public school. But why do so many of our people think socialism is a good thing? I mean, the ideas sound good, but if, when you try to put them into practice in real life, They do not work because it denies a fundamental truth that men are prone to wickedness, not sharing or doing good to their neighbor. So it denies reality. But it all goes back to our thought processes, what we're trained to think. And whether we like it or not, and some of this is, is dated, but the principles are still the same. You know, TV isn't the big thing anymore. It's the Internet now, and you can get that on your phone. You can get anything on your phone that you can get on the internet, on, on a computer, basically. But one, one guy said this, quote, TV is the narcotic that will one day have all of us zombies, unquote. Another quote is, quote, TV is the culture, the corner of values, and determiner of behavior. Unquote. Uh, in Hollywood, entertainment is full of thought police. <laughs> you know, who's controlling the thoughts and the stuff that's going on in Florida right now with the, with, the, with the high school students? It's the media. It's the media. In fact, one, one um, media person said this, Mike 
Brzezinski, I think his name is, he said, quote, media's job is to control exactly what people think, unquote. So they're not, they're not, they're not even pretending to be reporting news that what they're, they're telling is, we're going to determine what people think. You see, we're being programmed. They call it programming. What the Bible says in verse 2, in particular here, be not conformed to this world. So how can we not be conformed or programmed to the world? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable word of God, will of God. You know, psychologists teach us that there's two mental laws that contribute to heavily to our mental state of being. In other words, whether we're happy or sad. They are the law of concentration and the law of substitution. And again, that goes back to, as a man thinketh his heart. The law of concentration states that whatever we dwell upon grows in our life experience. Whatever we think on a, on a continual basis becomes a part of us. Yes, we become what we think. And the more we dwell on something, the more we have of it in our lives. Again, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So if we will dwell or meditate on the word of God, we will be able to know and do the will of God. It will become a part of my life or your life. So that's the law of concentration. The Bible simply calls that meditation. Now, the law of substitution states that our conscience mind can only hold one thought at a time. It makes no difference to our mind whether the thought is negative or positive. It can only hold one at a time. I wonder about that with some people. Sometimes I think they hold many thoughts at one time. But anyway, however, we can choose to substitute negative thoughts with positive thoughts, thus changing our mental state of being. And again... Uh, the Lord understands these principles. You know, uh, Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So again, a positive thought. Trusting in thee. We are what we are because of what we have allowed ourselves to concentrate on. So if you find yourself an old, crabby, miserable, negative person that nobody likes to be around, you've allowed yourself to feast on a steady diet of crabby, miserable, negative thoughts. You know, I can only listen to talk radio so long, and I'm ready to shoot somebody. (laughs) Uh, You know, if you bake a cake and it doesn't turn out, like you want it, I mean, you can blame the oven all day long. But if you do the same thing, it's going to be the same way. It's got to change the recipe. So if you don't want to be an old, grabby, miserable self, you've got to change what you think about it. So you have to substitute or concentrate on something different. And that's where meditation comes in. That's where this idea of meditation comes in. Uh, <clears throat> Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. 
Oh, look at it. I don't think I'm going to tonight talk about as many things that are wrong, but I want, to, I want to try and focus on what we need to do to avoid these things. I will mention some things, but, but anyway, first, first of all, Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on the, these things. So the word of the Lord here commands us that we are to think on things that are good, lovely, just, pure, uh, of good report, and of virtue, and of praise. Those are the kinds of things we need to think on. We need to think on. You know, of course, there's lots of things in the world that you can think about that discourage you, but we are not to dwell on those things. Uh, so we need to meditate. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The word meditation there means to resound or musing. To, uh, uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, Close... Close or continued thought, the turning or revolving of a subject in the mind. Serious contemplation. You know, the world, according to Ephesians 4.17, walks in the vanity of their minds. Talked a little bit about that the other Thursday night, how they, you know, their vain thoughts of overthrowing God. And that's what the world lives in. All this stuff we see in the world today is vain. And their thought processes are vain. And, of course, all this stuff does have an effect on us. It does have an effect. <clears throat> when I was a boy, because I was raised Mennonite, a lot of dads I knew and their kids, and we kids, I was one of them, listened to country western music. And drank Mountain Dew. <laughs> Both of which pollute us. Uh, the music had an effect on the next generation. Because a lot of them have gone contemporary. You know, we never used that kind of stuff. In fact, when I was going to church in the Mennonite church, there wasn't even a piano or an organ in the church. They sang a cappella just out of the old hymn books. Guess what? It isn't that way now. My generation changed all that. Uh, <clears throat> see, see what, we, what I'm saying is what we watch or what we listen to. Before we married, my wife babysit a little boy whose behavior was very erratic. It was wild. He was, yeah, yeah, he was, he was wild and animal-like. It's like he was in another world somewhere. It was what he watched. So what we, what we watch or hear does affect our thought processes and our actions. Now, I want to look at a couple of verses here. I'll go to Psalm 101. Psalm 101. Verse 
Psalm 101. <clears throat> Verse 1. I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. So he said, I'm not going to set my wicked thing before mine eyes. And the work of them that turn aside, therefore, shall not cleave to me. Uh, in Psalm 11, verse 5. Psalm 11, verse 5. Says, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence... His soul hateth. Uh, Isaiah, and think about that, Isaiah 33 and verses, verses uh, 15, I think it's 14 to 16. Isaiah 33, 14 to 16. Says, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of the rock. And the munitions of the rock is, like a, is the idea of a fortress. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. So the person that's not afraid, the person who walks with the Lord, who dwells on high, is one who who d d will not take uh, gain of oppression, so will not pre uh, oppress people for gain, or hold bribes, and who cannot stand the shedding of blood, stop his ears at it, and shutteth his eyes from evil. Not that he closes his eyes and doesn't see it. He doesn't participate. And our media today, and this is the thing that, you know, the word was so inconsistent. They, you know, we need, we need to, we need, they want to take away our guns. What do you see on television and on the shows? Everybody's shooting each other. You know, what is the message that TV... Or, you know, and you can get all this through the internet. What is the message to, to, to people, to us? It's violence. Um, I had some statistic here somewhere. What do I do with it? Every, you know, every, like every six or eight seconds, there's profanity on the television. Um, of course, there's constant murder. This is, my wife sent me this, I think, before we were married. It's called The Stranger. And, it's, of course, it's outdated. It, of course, now, now it's taken over by the Internet, but a lot of people still do watch television. But uh, it's talking about strangers, talking about television. It says, you, and I'm going to just read part of it. You see, my dad ruled our household with a certain moral convictions, but this stranger never felt an obligation to honor them. Profanity, for example, was not allowed in our house, not from us, from our friends or adults. Our longtime visitor, however, used an occasional four-letter word that burned my ears and made Dad squirm. To my knowledge, never, the stranger was never confronted. My dad was a teetotaler who didn't prune alcohol in the home. 
not even for cooking. But the stranger felt like we needed exposure and enlightened us to other ways of life. He offered us beer and our other alcoholic beverages often. He made cigarettes look tasty, cigars manly, and pipes distinguished. He talked freely, probably too much freely, about sex. His comments were sometimes blatant, sometimes suggestive, and generally embarrassing. I know now know that my early concepts of man-woman relationships were influenced by the stranger. As I look back, I believe it was more the grace of God that the stranger did not influence us more. Um, and thinking about the good and bad effects of, of TV on children, or media in general, uh, this came out of, uh, uh, written by Ian Chase, and it says, uh, TV provides no educational benefits for children under age two. Worse, it steals time for activities that actually develop their brain, like interacting with other people and playing. A child learns a lot more efficiently efficiently from real interaction with people and things rather than the things they see on a video screen. Uh, TV viewing numbs your kid's mind as it prevents your child from exercising initiative, being intellectually challenged, thinking analytically, and using his imagination. TV viewing takes away from time from reading and improving reading skills through practice. Kids watching cartoons, entertainment, television during preschool years have poor pre-reading skills at the age of five. Uh, kids who watch a lot of TV have trouble paying attention to teachers because they are accustomed to fast-paced visual stimulation on TV. Uh, uh, school kids who watch too much TV also tend to do less work less on their homework. A long study conducted, uh, term study conducted by Millennium Cohort Study and published in 2013 found that children who watched more than three hours of television, videos, DVDs a day had a higher chance of conduct problems emotional symptoms, and relationship problems by the age seven than children who don't. Uh, TV exposes your, your child to negative influence and promotes negative behavior. TV shows and commercials usually show violence, alcohol, drug use, and sex in a positive light. The mind of your child is like clay. It forms early impressions on what it sees, and these early impressions determine how he sees the world and affects his grown-up behavior. Uh, Walter Freeman, in his book, Formula for Family Unity, in page 133, speaking about television, said this. Uh, he's talking about building character in a home, and uh, he's talking about bad character and things that encourage this type of behavior. And the first one he mentions is TV. The first of these interventions is t television. TV is not a mind-oriented media. It is a feeling-oriented. A person doesn't really think through a television program. He feels through it. Children are usually subject to 24 hours weekly of this passive reception. They have no active participation in their TV watching. Consequently, they are influenced both mentally and physically toward a feeling-oriented view of life. The prevalent idea of do your own thing is an offshoot of this philosophy. Uh, it's feeling, well, I just don't feel like it. I'm sorry, but we don't have a feeling-oriented God. I mean, he has feelings. But we're governing our lives by principles, not feelings. Um, you know, you can blame your circumstances all day long because you didn't feel like it's going right, but that ain't going to change it. <laughs> so, you know, it's important 
that we feed our minds on the right kind of things. Now, I want to finish this by asking a couple of questions um, about what we watch, what we feed our minds on. Uh, First of all, does it violate God's law? I've read Psalm 101, verse 3, where he says, uh, the psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. So we'd ask ourselves the question, is it immoral? Is it immoral? I've had Christian women tell me about how much they enjoy the soap operas. Now, they weren't in my church, so I didn't comment on it. But I wanted to say, oh, you love watching them commit adultery. Because that's what they do. Job said in Job 31.1, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think on a maid? So we need to ask ourselves, is it immoral? Is it immoral? You know, our world promotes immorality. It's in our faces today. It's everywhere. And I believe God can give us grace for what we can't help. But we need to guard our lives. So is it, is it immoral? You know, pornography and all those kind of things. Uh, is it filled with profanity and violence? I looked at Psalm 11. That him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. God hates violence. You know, one of the things that God stated about the, the, the uh, pre-flood uh, people was the earth was filled with violence. They were filled with violence. Therefore, he took them all away. Again, we live in a society that, that, that seems to be uh, to glamour itself with violence. The more violent the TV show is, seems like the better it sells. Third, is it occultic? There's a lot of stuff in media, particularly games, that has occultic tendencies. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10 to 12. That starts 9. When thou art come into the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Now go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Someone might say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, it's an abomination unto the Lord thy God. And what's an abomination unto the Lord thy God does not change. And in Acts chapter 19, we have a case where the people brought these very kinds of things that they had in their possessions and burned them. Acts 19, verse 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts. 
That's the things we're talking about, occultic. Curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So there was a lot of money went up in flames right there. But all this stuff, had the curious arts, has to do with witchcraft and occultic things. Uh, books and how to cast magic and spells and all those kind of things. And games, games, a lot of games are full of this stuff. Um, Pokemon, one of them. In the official letter, the main characters of the game are described as headstrong, stubborn, squibbling, hormonal, having a fascination with and trying to score with the opposite sex. Self-centered, vindictive, obnoxious, and prone to cross-dressing. Something we should play with, right? Pokemon promotes the search for occultic power. The cards are called energy cards. Players engage in, in pretend occultic warfare. Currently, there are 729 species of Pokemon monsters. 151 of them are sought by Pokemon Go players. Two of them are named Abra and Kadabra, long associated with magic. The Abra card promotes the ability to read minds. The cadaver character has a pentagram on his forehead. What an incredibly dangerous and wicked influence on children. Uh, Nintendo Life says there are poison types, psychic types, dark types, fairy types, dragon types, and ghost types. There's nothing innocent, and this is in David Clyde's paper, and there's nothing innocent about Pokemon. It is a clever attempt at demonic mind control. And there's more about that. David Brown has more about that on his website logosresearchpages.org. But uh, so, so there's a lot of things that are out there that are, that are uh, um, uh, um, associated with occultic practices and mind control. And we need to be aware of them. Uh, one of the most popular of violent games is Grand Theft Auto. Players assume the role of lawless, destructive criminals who kill innocent bystanders, policemen, and military personnel while dealing with only contemporary consequences. It has been called a cop-killing training machine. Some of the versions require a player to torture people in brutal ways to advance to new levels. Sexual elements including, uh, include hiring and killing prostitutes by means of the player's choice of fist, machete, bat, or gun. Real-life murders have been committed by people who were obsessive players of Grand Theft Auto and have even admitted to being inspired by the game. Uh, so, you know, these are, these are things that we need to be aware of. And this is, this is a real problem, you know, and it isn't just preachers that are talking about it in our society. This, this uh, I'm not sure where I got this. It's written by a guy in the name of Paul Boys. It's a secular news um, thing. Uh, stated October 24th of 2017, and the title of it is Young Men Playing Video Games Instead of Finding Jobs. And the article goes, A new study shows that young males would rather sit on their rears while playing Grand Theft Auto than look for steady work. According to the research from economists from Princeton, the University of Rochester, and the University of Chicago, non-college ed educated men are rejecting full-time employment and spending as much as 40 hours a week playing video games. While some might blame this phenomenon on the economy, evidence shows these young males do it for the instant gratification. Uh, quote, when I play a game, I know I have a few hours, I, in a few hours, if I, 
let me start out. When I play a game, I know if I have a few hours, I will be rewarded, unquote, said Danny somebody. Uh, a 22-year-old who lives with his parents in Silver Spring, Maryland. With a job, with a job, quote, he goes on, he's with a job, it's always been up in the air with the amount of work I put in and the reward, unquote. So he feels like he gets more reward from playing video game than he does from working. After all, he can just live with his parents. The average... The average, this article says, the average young unemployment man without college degrees uh, is spending 8.6 hours per week on average playing video games. (laughs) So... Does it violate God's law? Secondly, does it promote good thinking? Does what we read or listen to or watch promote good thinking? Again, in Philippians 4, 8, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and these are principles God gives us to protect us from the corruption that is in the world through lust. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. In chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, again he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. You know, again, understand, you might say, well, they didn't have the problems we had back then. Yes, they did. A lot of these places had temples where it was common practice for the married men to go to where there were female prostitutes, which was part of the religious ceremonies. That was common. And was considered culturally acceptable in that day. So they were exposed to the same things we are. Except they didn't have the internet. And so Paul's telling them, look, you know, these things aren't pleasing. And to overcome these things, you're going to start thinking different. You're going to start thinking different. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. You know, we live in bodies of flesh. But our, our warfare is not with flesh and blood. You know, we're, we're, we're going to war against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness, they're the ones that are behind, they're the energy behind this wickedness that's out there in the world. They're the promoters of it. You know, Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of this world. And he's behind all this wickedness that we see in the world. And that's flashed before us consistently. So, so that's where our warfare is. And that affects our flesh. 
through our thoughts. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, verse 4, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now the word imaginations here is a reasoning such as is hostile to the Christian faith. That's Webster's 1828 dictionary definition. So we need to cast down those things that are hostile, that the world reasons they're okay, that are hostile to our Christian faith. And bring our thoughts. Notice he says, and bringing into captivity every thought. The change of conduct in your life begins with thoughts. With thoughts. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, behind every, every uh, 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 act of wickedness, there's a process of wicked thinking. And the opposite is true. What you think about, you will become. What you meditate upon. So we need to ask ourselves, does it promote good thinking? Does it promote good thinking? Yeah, we're talking about entertainment and, and, and you know, entertainment and media and things we read. Um, you know, it's just better not to read some things. Does it promote good thinking? Third, and this is a big one, is it a profitable use of our time? Is it a profitable use of our time? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, let's, let's go back up to verse 14. It says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So, we're to awake, we're to be awake, alert, and you know, he's picturing somebody rising from the dead. Come on, wake up. Quit your sleeping. Think about where you're going, what you're doing, where it's leading you. Uh, and is it profitable? You know, we're to walk circumspectly. And like one man said, that's a good picture. That is walking through an active cow pasture. You be very careful where you step. I'm very familiar with that. You watch every step. Why? Because we need to be redeeming the time. You know, we only have so many hours every week. We never get any more. And I'm sure that all of us, all of us, struggle with how do I wisely use my time? And there's things that aren't wrong. And, but there are things that are, that are good that are less important than some other things. And so we need, to, we need to prioritize 
where we invest our time. Invest our time. As I said, you know, the average gamer spends eight hours a week gaming. Um, that's a waste of a lot of time. In this article, Brother Cloud said this, To redeem the time, we must learn how to set priorities. Major priority, of course, is Bible study and prayer. Uh, we must learn to fill our lives with wholesome and eternally profitable things. A few examples of profitable things are Bible study, evangelism, wholesome music, church ministries, good literature, educational documentaries. You know, good, good reading is, is, is valuable. Photography, learning new skills to, to broaden your usefulness, you know, creation, science, geology, history, physical exercise, all those things speak of the Lord, even physical exercise. It's profitable. Of course, the most profitable, he says, most profitable, profitable occupation is to seek the Lord. Creation is fascinating, but the Creator is far more so. And to try and enjoy God's creation without putting God first in your life and heart, is idolatry. So above all, the wise young person will study God and his word. So, you know, we need to we need to make wise use of our time. You know, I've often wondered sometimes how some people seem to get so much done. They prioritize. They schedule their time. And, and we, need to, we need to learn to schedule our time. Schedule our time. So that we don't waste time. So, you know, we need to guard. We need to guard what, what we feed into our minds. Uh... You know, with technology, everything, anything is so easily accessible. But we need to, we need to guard our minds. Again, Romans 12, 2. I want to close with several passages of Scripture here. Romans 12, 2, again, says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. And the idea of transformation means to, to change. To change, you know, it's, the idea here is the, it's metamorphous, like a, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And you do that by the renewing of your mind. And that renewing is constantly. As the psalmist said, we're to meditate day and night in the word of God. So renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Again, Philippians 4, 8. And I'm going to read verse 9 also. Philippians 4, 8. As verse 9 gives us the fruit of thinking on good things. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. In other words, Paul's talking about these things he just mentioned. You know, he could have been constantly whining about setting in jail. Instead, he say, I, the prisoner of the Lord, do beseech you that you walk worthy. 
You know, you could all day long, you housewives, could all day long whine about washing clothes, cleaning the house, cooking meals, which are consumed in a matter of minutes, and there seems to be no fruit. But they do grow up, and they get married, and hopefully they have grandkids. It seems to be no fruit, but there is. You know, we hus- husbands could whine about having to go to work and all the troubles at work, but praise God, we can get a paycheck and provide for family. That's how the Lord does it. So when you think on the good things and not the bad things, and he says, "These things you've seen and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you." God of peace shall be with you. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusteth in thee. You see, we need to meditate in the word of God. We should delight to meditate in the word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, uh, verses 15 and 16, Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16, excuse me, I will meditate in thy precepts, and have respect unto thy ways, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. So if he meditates in his precepts, he'll have respect, and he'll not forget his words. So we should delight. His word should, and meditating in his word should also consume us. Uh, uh, Verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 145, uh, I'm sorry, verse 148. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. So he's talking about meditating day and night in the word of God. So we should delight in meditating his word. It should consume us and we should, it should control us. Joshua was commanded, of course, to meditate day and night that he may observe to do all that's written therein. So, it's important, I was going to say in our day and time, it's always been important that God's people meditate day and night. Think about it. Transform their minds. By the word of God. Renewing. Renewing your mind. You know, if you if you spend time in the word of God, it will change you from the inside out. One preacher said, when I got saved, I lost three quarters of my vocabulary. Not that he had to focus on it, but he just he just didn't want to use that kind of language anymore. What will happen? There was a renewing of his mind. There was a renewing of our mind. You know, we can overcome any sin or any sinful habit by renewing our mind and simply obeying, allowing the Lord then to control our thoughts and our actions, which will determine our actions. So might God help us to be where of the corruption that is in the world and to, to focus and to think on and meditate on the word of God
and to put a guards in our life that we would not be corrupted by this wicked and sinful world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the, the, the assurance that we can have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And have our lives transformed as we meditate and renew our minds day by day. So Lord, I pray you help us, help our young people especially as well, to, to guard their minds and their hearts with the word of God so that they would see their lives transformed for your glory and for your honor. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.